0: Welcome to Season 3 of the Minority League, a podcast about hockey and the people
1: who make it happen.
0: From minorities making history to those who've built and developed the game,
1: we're on and off the ice with players and coaches and people behind the scenes. And
0: we're sharing our love of the game with you.
1: I'm Anar Virji, a journalist and writer from
0: Washington, D.C. And I'm Manashi Mukherjee, a TV executive living in Miami. And And this this is is the Minority Minority League. League. Happy holidays, everybody. This episode, we're talking to Sonia bryson Kirksey with the Tampa Bay Lightning. We first noticed her when she was singing the national anthem during Tampa Bay Lightning playoff games with her vibrant blue lipstick and her killer pipes. That lipstick is
1: incredible. And we're going to talk about that. But first, can we talk about something amazing and historic that happened at a Lightning game recently? Yes. Penguin Scully.
0: Interesting. I I do. Goalie goal, which was amazing. Yes, and I I was actually watching. I watched that game that night, and I had like planned to go, and then some. My plans changed, and then I was kicking myself because I could have seen that in person. But, um, but anyway, yeah, it was amazing. Go Tristan Jari, you are our hero. Like he, he just was like so confident. Just oh, he saw an opening and went for it. It was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and the
1: reaction to it was phenomenal like like first off that was the first goalie goal in penguins history um so that was also the first time that sydney Crosby had seen a penguins goalie goal which is the guy's seen everything but the reaction from the bench like everybody got up and was cheering and then um eric carlson was hugging jari and everybody on the team went in to hug him that was yeah.
0: Eric Carlson's hug, like the way he embraced Jari was like what every Penguins fan was feeling at that very moment. Like he did it for all of us. Yes, it was a very fierce, strong embrace. It was awesome. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I love that outpouring of love for Jari. He deserves it. And what also is incredible is that um, the backup goalie Alex Nedeljkovic was there and he just two weeks prior less than two weeks prior had scored a goalie goal in the AHL um, playing with the Wilkes-Barre Penguins
0: yeah and we were actually going to talk about that and then this happened and now we're <laughs> like wow two Penguins goalies have scored goalie goals in like within a two-week span it's it's pretty amazing and that's such a rare thing uh, to happen anyway, that, you know, Tristan Jari now in the NHL, having done it, ha- is like in pretty slim company with a lot of really amazing, you know, Hall of Fame level goalies. And yeah. and even one of our favorite goalies, Marc-Andre Fleury, does not have a goalie goal in <laughs> right. NHL.
1: Right. Neither so. does Vasilevsky. And um, I, I, I also,
0: yes. yeah,
1: <laughs> but, but Jari also scored a goalie goal when he was um, in the AHL with WBS so uh, it's like what an amazing career and it was so nice to see the Penguins released a photo of the team on the plane going back to Pittsburgh and Jari's on the plane in the center in the aisle holding up his puck from his first NHL goal and the team surrounding him it's just a great photo
0: yeah he totally looks like he won big in Tampa Vegas last week and like (laughs) here we go you know (sighs) Sonia Bryson-Kirksey is the national anthem singer for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Her journey to hockey is a little different from our previous guests. She is a retired Air Force veteran, and we asked her how she went from that career to singing at the Lightning Games. Well, um, so
2: I ended up being a technical sergeant uh, as an E6. So I started um, singing while I was in the Air Force. As far as the anthem is concerned, I've sang all my life. Um, and fortunately for me, I grew up in, uh, you know, Southern City in Greenville, South Carolina. And so I was raised in the church. So that's pretty much where I got my start. Um, but the military was the first times that I did uh, the anthem live. Um, I'd never done it before, other than with a group, I guess, in high school. Um, so I did um, there in in my job in the military, there certain a couple of things that we do. So for instance, um, the most of my career was around one particular job. And then I did a stint where I got to peel off from that job, if you will, and do something different. So I was a recruiter. um, And we were stationed in Oklahoma city. Um, Each year for recruiters, we do a training conference and at that training conference, it's like a big deal. Uh, So we go to usually another city and they do a gala. Um this particular year uh the the anthem singer for the gala conveniently got sick right before <laughs> the gala started and um uh, my supervisor came up to me I was literally having a drink <laughs> and um he said I need you to do something for me and I'm like uh okay and he goes I need you to do the anthem for us and I was like okay he said do you know the words I'm like yeah I mean yeah I know the words but He was like, well, I need you to sing it for me if you can. No problem. Um, And I said, yeah, no problem. So it was just one of those things. You know how um, when an opportunity comes to you and you're not quite sure what to do with that? Um, That was my thinking at that point. So, of course, I put that drink down immediately. Um, And I went into the bathroom to kind of hum it to myself a little bit. And I just did it. You know, Uh, I was nervous. I was all of those things, but I was I was like in the, the thought pattern that, You know, I'm going to try. I'm going to do it. You know, who knows what might happen? So um, that was my very first one. And um, I did many, many more after that, (laughs) moving to my next base um, out in Davis Mothin Air Force Base, which is in Arizona. um, I got a chance to, for the first time, participate in a uh, in a competition, a singing competition. So my kids put put me up to it (laughs) and I wasn't sure about that either, (laughs) but I just, you know, I just kept saying, I think at that, that moment in my life or that place in my life, I was just into just do it, just do it. So I did it and I got second place in that particular competition, but, um, the anthem was pretty much my thing, um, at that point. So like every, all my commanders, all the different kinds of commanders on base and everything would call me for ceremonies or, you know, retirement ceremonies and, promotion ceremonies, different things like that on base. And it just continued to be my thing throughout the rest of my career. So from that, I did a few anthems here locally. Um, thank goodness someone, you know, every time I did an anthem, another person would hear me and they would ask me to do something else. So eventually I got to do a raise game because they they called the, the base and asked for a military singer. Um, and at the raise game, because the Tampa area, they kind of I'll say share production people, people who do production, audio, video, all that stuff. They kind of share those people. They work at all the different stadiums. And one person, I think it was the assistant um, to the game time presentation guy here at the, at the lightning saw me first. But um, in the meantime, I sang for the USO. So the USO does a lot of events around town and the region. So I sing for them too. Um, or I have sung for them. And the way they thanked me was to bring me to a Bucks game in their suite. And just who happens to be in that suite that day is John Franzone, who is the director. uh, He's the vice president of game presentation at the Lightning. I said, there's no coincidences in life. I feel like that was my path. And I feel like he put him there for my purpose. Um, And so we spoke and talked about maybe doing an audition He brought me to the Lightning um, for the audition. It was kind of a weird thing because uh, I thought it was going to be like a big audition. You know, when you hear audition in your head as a singer, you hear, oh, there's going to be like 50 people. And, you know, we're all going to take our turns and all of this stuff it was me and him and Kristoff, who's the organist (laughs) in the, um, crow's nest. And that was it. That was just us three. Uh, and I've been singing there ever since y'all. It's been one of those things where it's just been a big, huge blessing, you know, from the, the first time to, you know, me singing currently, it's been a big, huge blessing. And like I said, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in, you know, God putting certain things on your path,
0: um, to get you where you need to be. That's, that's amazing. What, what, were you a hockey fan before? Nope.
1: <laughs> are, are you a hockey fan now?
0: Oh,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. I was raised, I was raised football because, you know, in the South, that's a big deal. Um, And my dad, I am the oldest of two girls. And my dad taught us both about football growing up. And um, I'm kind of like the son he never had. Uh, <laughs> so we, um we know football from head to toe. But you know, hockey was a brand new thing for me. And then going to sing for them, you know, I felt, I needed to learn more about hockey. So it's been a learning process from that day to now, even, you know, there's still some things that, you know, I don't know, but very few as opposed to before when I knew nothing.
1: (laughs) Do you have, like in in the years that you've been um, singing with the lightning, do you have a favorite memory um, from that time? Um,
2: Yes, definitely. Um, Probably... A couple of, but let's see. Um, I think maybe my favorite one is singing, um, after the first Stanley Cup win, and we had a celebration at Raymond James Stadium. So in that particular celebration, um, the the players had been out partying all day. They had the boat parade, and they had been out partying all day. And then at the evening time, they bring them in for this the celebration with the community, obviously. Um, so they're pretty plastered, <laughs> all of them. And um, so I sang for that. I sang the anthem for that. I was so excited to see them because everyone was just praising them for the good job they had done in the bubble and everything. And um, I got to talk to Vasi like right before or right after <laughs> I sang, or right before I sang, I think. And then at the end of that celebration, my husband and I were making ourselves uh or making our making our way down to the bottom uh to go get my stuff out of the the ladies locker room so we could leave and some of the guys had been come they're trickling down you know from the top part of the the building and I saw them with the Stanley Cup so I was like oh can I see it and they're like no you're going to hoist it <laughs> so I got a chance to kiss it and then hoist it okay first of all they said 35 pounds I think, is way heavier than 35 pounds
1: <laughs> it is uh, but, heavy. but wait oh. but you said that you hoisted it so you raised it Right? You raised I I got it. I got it like here. (laughs) Okay. Did they help you? Did these guys like okay. And then the
2: the guys, one of them was on one side and the other was on the other side and they pushed it up so I could get it above my head because I'm like (laughs) above my head and my husband or someone took a photo. Um and my husband got a chance to do the same thing. So it was just pretty fun. They that that team, that particular team was full of guys that I felt like I knew really well um, and they knew me. So it was a really fun experience to be able to actually touch it and, and do that like right after, you know, us winning the cup. So um, I think that's my favorite.
0: That's a great story. I love that.
1: Yeah, what an incredible story! I mean, I have mm-hmm. to say that we are huge Vasilevsky fans. So oh the yeah, fact that, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. He he seems like an amazing guy. So I love that your story included him and that he was part of that. Yeah,
0: we. I yeah. like that t- that year. I I also loved how casually you were like, you know, it was just after we won the Stanley Cup, and I was going down <laughs> to get my stuff from the locker room. And <laughs> did you um? Did you get a
2: ring? Oh, absolutely dang it. I meant to bring them here with me. Um, but yes, I do have um, two Stanley Cup rings. They made sure I met Mr. Vinnick um, several years into me. Well, I met him probably like two years into me singing. And, um, you know, at one point I joked with him at another event that I saw him at, and I said, you know, we're getting close because we had been to the the playoffs a few times. And I said, we're getting kind of close. You know, when we get to that, that cup, you know, I I expect the, you know, the ring. He started laughing, you know, we giggled about it. So I I had no idea, you know, and I didn't even expect it really. That was just conversation thing. Um and after we won, um, let's see, at the beginning of the following season, um, the opening night is when I got my ring. And it made me so happy because I felt like I don't know, I felt validated. I felt um like tagged as a team member, you know, or like family to the team um, for them to do that for me. It was an amazing thing. Um, so yeah, I was very excited to get the ring and then to get the second one is just like a dream come true for sure.
1: We mentioned Andre Vasilevsky, the goalie for the Lightning. He's one of our favorite players and he just recently returned to games this season after having surgery.
0: Yeah, I'm psyched that Vassy is back in business. I live in Florida, as everyone knows now, so I can actually go to those games, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, but I am sorry that his first home game was historic for very different reasons, and unfortunately, that, for them, that's when Jari scored that epic goalie goal. Um, but Anar, I have to say, I'm very impressed by something. I am very impressed that we didn't freak out when she mentioned Vassy so casually during the conversation. Yeah, I'm also very impressed by us. That was
1: um, pretty incredible. Um, She, you know, she mentioned hanging out with Fassie during a Stanley Cup celebration, just very casually. And she's the second person in the lightning organization that we've spoken to, and they seem pretty close knit.
0: Talk to us a little bit about what the organization is like. What's it like working for the Lightning's um, organization? Um, well, it's it's like family. I call them my Emily
2: family all the time and when I refer to anyone that works in that building. Because I, I always say there's no big I or little U's in that building. It's all family. I mean, from the person that does the trash to the CEO and the owners, um, they're all very approachable people Um, you know, I have conversations with everyone, you know.
1: I got to say, it does feel like even before we met you, I felt like watching the team on TV, like you could feel that because I know um, that you got sick and you came back and sang the anthem and there was such an outpouring of love for you. And mm-hmm. so like that, I think that shows up in how the lightning present themselves. Oh, um, Absolutely.
2: <clears throat> that, that was a that was a very um i'll say a scary situation however um you know like you said the outpouring of the community was i mean honestly it was a surprise to me um but it wasn't a surprise to me if you if you know what i mean um I touch people all the time you know throughout this community not just for hockey but you know different other events um I'm a big uh, avid supporter of the heart Walk. Um, and the, the uh, work that the heart Heart Association does, um, and also um, the MS Society, and you know other like children's um, charities and stuff like that. I'm I'm into those, uh, going to to uh, sing for their ceremonies and uh, or galas and whatnot. Um, so I'm t- in touch with the community all the time. So that was really sweet, you know, to see such a big outpouring. But then also for the lightning side of that, um, I think that was the kind of the first time that I realized that, you know, they cared that much because I got like text messages and, you know, videos from the guys, you know, the the players and, um, you know, the coaches and stuff like that. And um, that meant a lot to me. I still have a bunch of them on my phone, you know, because that it makes me feel like um, that moment in time that that was the thing that helped me to get over the hump as far as, you know, me getting better. Um, I was in ICU for almost 10 days, you know, so um, it was heartfelt and it made me, it made me feel like I had the strength to go on.
1: That mm-hmm. is just very kind. And um, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Like those, the, those sorts of messages and that sort of support really helps um, when you're sick. I'm, I'm really glad to
0: hear that. I, I've, I, everything I've seen and heard and read about that, uh, about the, organization has been very positive so it's good to hear that reiterated and Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. can we switch gears for a second and just talk a little because our podcast is about minorities in the sport (laughs) and you know you don't see a lot of them playing so do you have any thoughts on maybe diversity initiatives that the that the lightning have done and or even nhl um initiatives do you have any thoughts on what what is kind of happening in the sport well i see every probably every week um that the lightning
2: takes part in some of the community uh hockey um i can think they call it community light- lightning hockey or something like that but um it's for the the kids that are coming up there's a i think a high school age league and then there's a, a younger uh kids league and um i think the the minorities that they pull into those areas will probably start to reflect in the NHL later on. Um, right now, as far as the NHL today, um, I think that they are doing more to find um, hockey players of color, you know, in different colleges and actually recruit to that effort. Um, I feel like it's, it's coming, um, but it, it's going to take a while. You know, it's just like um, with other sports, you know, until, um, you know, it becomes uh, equitable across the board you know you really won't see the the difference um but I think it'll it'll be there it'll get there eventually
1: have you personally like seen like have you because there aren't that many um women of color like with such a forward-facing role in the NHL like being on ice and being seen um at so many games have you like experienced any adversity? Or also, like, have you had people reach out to you for advice and um, people who see you as a role model? Um, Well, I feel
2: like that what I do is not just for me, you know, I never I never take this job lightly, um, because I know that um, there's little girls somewhere that are they're watching me and they're saying, "Wow, if she can do it, I could do it too," you know. And I try to I try to put that out there. Anytime I go to schools to talk to the kids, I'm like, "Hey, this is something that happened to me." Um, I didn't really go for it. You know, it was something that actually just happened to me. So you can do this too. This is something that you can prepare for, um, you know, in your lifetime and do um, singing for um, um, uh, any kind of a team, whether it's major, a major team or a minor league team or even high school, you know, it still takes guts because the sing in front of to sing the anthem in front of any any group of people is hard. Um, it's not an easy song, and it's something that you but you can prepare for it. You can practice um, enough to get to that point. Being a minority is is even better for me because I say that you know not only little little white girls are seeing me, but little black girls, little brown girls, little girls of all different colors are seeing you know this brown lady out there singing. And she, you know I've been here for so long now. Um, working on my 11th season. And I think that's an amazing thing, because you got to, you got to admit that there's not a lot of role models um, in professional sports for women, um, women of color. Uh, I think that once, once women are kind of brought up, then women of color will come up as well. Um, Because we know about all this stuff, you know, we're, we're knowledgeable about sports and everything. And there's many, many women out there that have uh, Gone to school for all of this, you know, and they know the sport. It's just going to take some time. I don't know how long, um, but I, yeah, I always feel like they can do more.
0: And are we talk a lot on this podcast about diversity and culture? We've we've talked extensively about Diwali. Um, is there anything that you would want to see to make a hockey game more welcoming? Anything you'd like to see in the future?
1: Yeah, I mean, more Diwali nights. Like there are large um, Indian communities across the U.S. and Canada, and it'd be great to see more of that and um, some more Indian cultural nights Um, I also would love to see more like food offerings connected to like the different cultures in um, the area of these hockey teams like I don't understand why stadiums everywhere aren't serving samosas or chat like those would be great stadium (laughs) foods
0: and yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. I have to say, though, in South Florida, like at the Panthers Arena, there are like loads of tacos and other Latino foods. So, at least, like I feel like they got it right with the at least the Latin culture.
1: Yeah, conclusion. you do see you do see tacos at a lot of arenas. Like you see them in DC, and they do have um, the great. Korean tater tots, as I've mentioned on this podcast before.
0: Yeah. I Uh, I don't want to hear about them anymore until I get (laughs) to try them. I just have to say enough about the Korean tater tots that I've never had.
1: Yeah. But, um, you know, so more, more diverse food offerings, but yeah, the theme nights are fantastic. And I love the, the jerseys that go along with them and also the celebrations in the community, just like more of that community outreach, um, I think would be great. And it's just so, like, I feel like um, it brings about more of a connection to the sport for minorities. And um, that's a great way to expand the sport.
0: And it also gives other people an opportunity who may not, like, go into those communities to experience something. When we went to the
1: Devils game and they had the Lunar New Year celebration, like, it made me think more about, like, how to... I acknowledge, um, the Lunar New Year and like what I'm like, what might I be able to do in my own community? Um, like just to see those celebrations and, um, be part of them because they, they were really fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed yeah, that. The
0: Devils did a great job with that Lunar New Year, um, event that we went to and Joe was with us, our editor. It was great. We had really a good time. And, Um, I, I, the dragon in the lobby was like incredible. I have some really good video of that actually, which we might post on the, on our socials. So you follow us if you don't.
1: Yeah, check out our socials for some um, cultural stuff. Like We also have posted um, some of our stuff about Diwali. So um, you can definitely see more about that on our social media. But also, I want to mention that it's also great when um, hockey commentators bring in some of their culture to the game. And I have to mention that Manashi and I, we joked about this in our promo that we hold players to Indian standards. and. Not everyone um, understands that probably, but we had sort of like, it's sort of a joke that we have with each other that, you know, like Indian families, immigrant families sometimes hold their kids to really high standards. And like, if you're doing well, like, then maybe you can skip piano practice or (laughs) violin practice or like. Math homework. Like that. <laughs> Math homework. Yeah. So, so we kind of jokingly grade um Penguins players on um their performances and whether or not they would have to do piano practice after certain big
0: games. <laughs> I just and- want to elaborate on that. Like, so for those of you that don't know, like, obviously immigrant parents um you know for them their standards are sort of not the same as regular mainstream American standards right so like if a kid brings home a bee that is like you're in so much trouble for like weeks <laughs> in, in, in in my house anyway and um yeah I don't know about you and our but there's there's <laughs> none of this like you should do what you enjoy and you did the best you can like no <laughs> Why didn't you get a hundred on that test, but I got a 97. No, why wasn't it a <laughs> hundred? What were the questions that you missed? And let's make sure that doesn't happen again. Right. So I think we're all like a bunch of overachievers. <laughs> but definitely. Like there was a focus on academics.
1: Um, and you know, my, my parents always wanted me to like, do what made me happy, but also they wanted me to do well. And, um, yeah, so we will, we will, Grade players (laughs) like I would say you know like most of the time Sidney Crosby like solid A.
0: Um, there have been games in a while an A minus if he doesn't get a point in a game you know (laughs) right right like once this season so
1: (laughs) yeah Eric Eric Carlson I'd also give him like a solid A. There are games where he's like an A plus the game where uh Jari had that. Goalie goal, and he was really quick to celebrate. I'm like A plus Eric Carlson. You're a doing plus. super well. Yes. A plus Bravo,
0: Eric Carlson.
1: <laughs> right. I feel like, and that entire game, well, the last forty minutes of that game.
0: Yeah, uh, I was plus. I was giving people a D by the end of first <laughs> period, and I was giving the Lightning an A plus because they were on fire <laughs> in that first period. um Things turned around, and then things turned. Yeah, it's like they heard me. like oh no we're about to get an F we better pull this together
1: (laughs) they did not want extra piano practice yeah especially not Jari like Jari is exempt from piano practice
0: for the rest of December (laughs) I I agree with that yeah (laughs) and then I I still it's still hilarious to me how Jari is posing in that picture like he's you know just won the lotto at Vegas this is pretty great. Or, or the spelling bee. Like, or the spelling bee, I, right. Either I, one of those. I cannot spell out loud. I, I have to write everything down. But anyway, I'm a failure.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. But, you know, Tristan Jari, in that photo, he's either one big in Vegas or one the script spelling bee.
0: <laughs> yeah, Tr- Tristan Jari this month gets an A++. <laughs> Absolutely. He Extra credit work. and then some. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So well done from your uh, Indian community.
0: (laughs) And the reason we started the podcast is because we kept going to games in the Northeast and didn't see any other people like us there. And we started to wonder why. And then here we go. Here we are, you know, three years later. So I'm I'm actually in Miami now. So I've been going to the Panthers games and it's a very different, it's a different scenario down here. Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of brown people in the crowd with me. Yeah, you great. have to
2: have it. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. that's that's what the the dynamic of the um st-
1: the uh the demographic is down there. So I live in Washington D.C. and whenever I go to games, like there are not a lot of minorities there, and mm-hmm. um which is interesting because until like a few years ago, DC was a majority black city. Um, but you know what though? Um, I think the the work
2: that black girl hockey club is doing um, is going to change that uh, because we, and I say we, cause we, i call our, I say it's on my husband. We all are black girl hockey club. We all need to work harder on bringing um, uh, people of color to games um, for the first time so that they can actually see, what hockey is about um, for us, what we do, they gave us, they give us four tickets per game um, for, for me specifically. And we fill those seats with, first timers and people of color every single game. Um, if I can find a person who has never been and is um, a person of color, that's all the better. I'll fill those seats with them every single time. That's like our purpose, um, my husband and I, because you know we've seen it change a little from even uh, when we first started going there. It's like a handful, you would look around the bowl and maybe, I mean, honestly, on one hand, you know, count the people. And that's not counting the people that work there. So, uh, it's changed a little bit. You wear um
1: that amazing blue lipstick when you <laughs> sing the anthem at yeah. Lightning Games. Can you just tell us like where you found it? Are they are you like part of an ad campaign with them now? Have they reached out to you, the makers of that lipstick? Like oh. I just kind of want to know more about it. It's it's amazing. Like it's Thank just so funny.
2: You. I I love it now. I love it a lot because I okay, this is my uh fun fact for the night more men ask me about that lipstick than women do. Um, when, if I had to write down numbers, I get probably five men to one woman that ask me about that lipstick. And I guess because they want to get it for their wives or whatever. But um, so my lipstick, uh, believe it or not, that my performance lipstick is not a product, it's a process. So what I do is I am, I am a creature of habit so I get this long last blue lipstick that is the liquid lipstick. I put it on. Um, I do it in two two um, passes. So the first pass I let dry. The second one, as it's tacky, getting uh, dry, but it's still tacky, I put blue glitter, uh, makeup grade glitter um, on my lips. And, it. you know, I have this little thing that I press it down with um, to keep my finger off my mouth. Um, And then I use a translucent glitter on top of that. So that's what really makes it like looks like it's jumping off my lips uh, or like it's like popping out there. Um, And so after that, I just spray it with makeup spray or whatever. Now, once it's on, it is so hard to come off. Uh, But in that same respect, if you eat something after you have it on, um, it comes off sometimes in clumps, like because of the oils, like whatever you're eating, if it's oily or whatever, um, it'll come off. So what I like to do is I go. So my job starts from uh, sound check, obviously, and then dressing, coming out, doing the anthem, and then I go immediately upstairs. So I do a lot of meet and greets. I go upstairs, I meet people, I talk to people, shake hands, hold babies, all of that stuff. Um, but I do that on every level um, of the arena, and then probably by about mid second period is when I can actually sit down. Um, and I immediately go and get some Vaseline and take that stuff off my mouth because it, I, it ends up in my mouth, you know, and who wants to have sparkle poop? Right. So, <laughs> so I, I go and take it off and then I eat, you know, whatever. Um, cause people are like, they'll come up to me after second period. And they're like, what's your lipstick? I'm like, I had to eat. I don't want that stuff in my mouth. <laughs> so yeah, it's a process. And, um, But you know what, I like the fact that people love that. That's this one more thing to be feel fortunate about, because I'll see, I'll be walking through the halls, and I'll see a little little girl with blue lipstick on, you know, or I'll see an elderly woman with blue lipstick on. And I'm like, this is so cool, you know, that they're trying to do this exact same thing uh, that I do. Um, But as far as the makeup thing, listen. If I could get L'Oreal or Max or, or or Mac or any of those people to pay attention enough to to give me a deal, listen, I would take it in a hot minute. But um, I've written a few letters, no response. You know how that stuff goes.
1: What? You've got two Stanley Cup rings.
0: I, like, yeah, well, the let's put it, it out there right now, like, hey, Ro- L'Oreal, CoverGirl. We've, yeah. we've got we've yeah. got someone for you with the blue lipstick sephora uh, yeah yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. And those things, i
2: think uh, you almost
0: have to know somebody
2: in that in those things those situations so
1: so finashi we've got the holidays coming up and new year's do you have any new year's resolutions do you make new
0: year's resolutions i you know i'm not a fan of new year's at all like i don't like going out i i like to Start the day January 1st, like reflecting on, you know, things that I maybe could have done better last year and try to focus on the things, you know, maybe one or two things that I could incorporate to do better this year. I I don't like love resolutions because I feel I feel like you're setting yourself up to fail um, by by throwing down an edict like that. So I think just as I get older, I'm trying to be kinder with myself and feel a little more like, okay. I'm going to do these two things for the next few weeks and see how that goes. And then, you know, hopefully some of those things stick and then, you know, and life gets better. Seems to work for me. How about you?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great way to tackle the new year and like having that reflection on the past year sounds really nice. And maybe I'll incorporate that into my New Year's Day. Um, I don't have like any New Year's plans because I'll be working. Um, but, uh, I, and I don't make new year's resolutions, but for the past, like 10 or 15 years, I've, I've had these, I guess I just set like, I've had the same two goals for every year. And those two goals are learn a new skill and make a new friend. And, um, I've managed to do that and, um, found it super rewarding. Like it forces me to go out and talk to people. I love talking to people anyway, but um, it expands my, I do, it expands my community. And um, also like learning new skills has been just super useful and enjoyable. So um, that's what, that's what I do for New Year's.
0: I love that. I think that's great. We
1: are going to be taking a break for the holidays, and we will be back on January 16th with a brand new episode.
0: Next time, we'll hear from trailblazer Bernice Carnegie, who tells us about the Carnegie Initiative and what it means to carry on her father, Herb Carnegie's legacy.
1: Thanks for spending an entire hockey period with us. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to rate us wherever you listen.
0: Subscribe to the Minority League podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and on iHeartRadio. Visit us on theminorityleague.com. Follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter and Instagram at TMLPod. This episode was edited by Joe Alvaro, produced by Anar Virji and Manashi Mukherjee.